0: I want to begin our reflections on this passage by asking a question. What things do we need most in our lives when we go through a difficult time? In particular, what are the inner resources that help us most to keep going when we're really up against it? Ten days ago, I conducted a funeral in Port Ellen. It was for a man who in 2020 had been diagnosed with cancer. And from the moment of his diagnosis, he knew it would be terminal. What was it that kept this man going for the next two and a half years? Well, yes, he had the chemotherapy and the medical procedures and the time away in specialist hospitals, But that was not what his family wanted said at his funeral. They believe he was enabled to keep going because from the moment of his diagnosis, he saw it as his responsibility to encourage others to go and get help. You see, he'd put off going to the doctor and it meant by the time that he did get checked, the condition had spread to such an extent it was all too late. And he didn't want others to make the same mistake. So throughout the course of his illness and his treatment, he posted regular Facebook messages and spoke openly to his friends in the art view. He didn't hide his illness. He wanted it to be known as a lesson to others. In short, it was having a sense of meaning about his life that kept him going through some very difficult days. Including having to be away in Glasgow during the pandemic, when no one could visit him. Having meaning in life. So important. But so too is hope. Two days ago, we buried Angus Morrison. It was a beautiful, uplifting service that Angus had planned himself. It was very fitting. Two weeks ago, I visited Angus in Gorson He was unwell and bedbound. His wife, Isabel, was also seriously unwell and away on the mainland. Having had a stroke, Angus could not even properly speak to her on the phone, for poor Isabel found it hard to pronounce her words. It was a very difficult situation, and one I certainly hope that Emily and I never find ourselves in. And I went to Gorton Vogue that day, wanting to offer Angus some support, to be a listening ear, a friend, to pray with him. But instead, what happened was that as soon as I arrived at his bedside, Angus set about encouraging me. He shared his testimony. He read scripture to me. He encouraged me in my ministry. He even prayed for me. And I realized in that moment that despite the difficulty, Angus was full of hope. Hope for the future full of hope for his wife and himself. Angus was at peace and ready to go because of his hope in God. So meaning and hope, they are two of the things I think we need most of all in a time of trial. The third is strength. I guess we will never know how the Queen managed to meet Boris Johnson and Liz Truss and complete those important matters of state business just two days before she died. I guess we will never know how she managed to keep working 40 hours a week, even as a 90-year-old senior citizen. I guess we will never know how she managed to get through her annus Horribilis in 1992, when Windsor Castle burnt down, Andrew and Anne got divorced, And Charles and Diana had very public affairs. From the outside, I felt that the Queen had a deep inner strength. And on just a few occasions, she gave hints on where it came from. At the end of 1992, that really bad year, the Queen said this. You, my Lord Mayor, and all those whose prayers have sustained me through all these years... Our friends indeed. Prince Philip and I give you all, wherever you may be, our most humble thanks. The Queen believed that she gained strength from the prayers of her friends. Indeed, six months before her coronation, Elizabeth asked all the people of the UK and the Commonwealth to pray. She said, pray that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making, and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. Few could argue that that prayer was not answered. So here is my suggestion to us this evening. When we're going through a time of trial, the three things perhaps we need most of all are meaning, hope, and strength. I know I have mentioned three people who were contending with their final illness, but I think this applies to all the difficulties we come across, all the pains that we encounter throughout our lives. In fact, I'd go even further to say that the sign of real maturity in a human being is that we maintain these three things in the toughest experiences of our lives. A sense of meaning a living hope, an inner strength. And it may not surprise you to hear that these three things are exactly what our passage today is all about. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the struggling church in Colossae in the middle years of the first century, believed that meaning, hope and strength were three things to be found In Christ. And I say in Christ very deliberately here. I want to explore that little word in for a few moments. As Christians we believe that we are in Christ. And we believe that Christ is in us. How can that be true? well it all comes down to an intense sense of identification and we really need to try and get our heads around this a bit if we're ever going to properly understand the writing of Paul let me give us a couple of illustrations to get us thinking as we sit here this evening ambassadors from around the world are flying in to attend the Queen's funeral Now, when an ambassador attends a foreign court they are representing the country that they are from Indeed, it's as if that country's wishes are expressed through them. Or what about this? When the head of a major company makes a public statement, we don't treat that as a private opinion, do we? We see that as the accepted view of the whole organisation. They represent many others. Or what about this for a final example? This week there was that terrible news story of that violent crime committed (coughs) against two young girls in a village in India. In Indian culture, that crime wasn't just committed against the two girls, it was committed against their families. In fact, it was committed against the whole village. Such is the strength of identification in Indian culture. So in all three of those illustrations, then, the sense of identification with one another is so strong, one person comes to represent many others. Right, now let's think about Jesus. Paul believes that Christians are in Christ. And he believes that because Jesus fully identified with us when he became a human being, and then when he died on the cross in our place. And Paul believes this to such an extent that when God the Father looks at the Son who's by his side in heaven, he sees us. And when God the Father looks down on us, he sees his Son. It's as if we are in him. And because of that, Christ's death at Calvary 2,000 years ago works for you and for me. When he died... He died my death and yours. When he rose to new life three days later, he brought you and me to new life as well. You know that song, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Well, Paul's answer to that would be, Yes, absolutely, definitely, yes. I was there by faith. Paul really does believe that what is true of the Messiah Jesus is true of his people. Now, I hope you would agree with everything I've said so far. I know it takes a little bit of getting our head around, but I hope we would agree. But now we need to go a little bit further, because there's another stage to this. Just as we are in Christ through faith, he is also in us. The Bible says that Jesus dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. And what this means is that God is with us every moment of every day. What this means is that God is always there to help us and in response we are always to represent him. And this sense of indwelling is why the bible often talks about the church as the body of Christ. We are in him, attached to him as our head. It's the lifeblood of his spirit that flows through us all When people see the church and come into contact with ordinary believers like you or I, they are, in a very real way, coming into contact with Jesus on earth today. This is what it fully means for us to be in Christ, and Christ to be in us. He represents us before the Father, and we represent him before the world. It's the strongest form of identification you could imagine, and it's all made possible by faith. So now we've got through all the theory, let's return to where this sermon started. How does being in Christ supply us with the meaning and the hope and the strength that we need to get through the toughest moments of our lives? After all, that's the very practical question that the believers in Colossae were asking as they struggled under persecution. Well, that's what Paul now sets out to answer. And we're going to begin, like Paul does, with our sense of meaning. Paul's belief that he is in Christ. And he believes that that gives meaning to every action he makes and to what takes place on every day of his life. The first way we see that in these verses is the way Paul talks about his sense of purpose. In verse 25 he says he's become a servant of Christ. Indeed he lives for the sake of Christ's body on earth, the church. By being brought into Christ, Paul believes he's been commissioned by God to go out and teach his word in all its fullness. He says he's to make Jesus known among the Gentiles. And he's not to do this in some slapdash way. Paul's not just to go out and make converts. He's got to try and mould wise and mature disciples that will stand firm in life's difficulties. Do we see the whole sense of purpose that Paul has is found in Jesus. He is to live every day representing Jesus, just as Jesus represented him. On the cross. But being in Christ also gives Paul a sense of meaning in another way. Importantly, it brings meaning to his suffering. One of the hardest things to bear about suffering in this life is when we have no idea why it's occurring. The greatest pains seem arbitrary and unfair. But when we know there is some meaning behind our difficulties, they become easier to bear. Not easy, no suffering is easy, but easier. And this is what that difficult verse 24 is all about. Let me read it to us again. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. It's quite easy to badly misunderstand this verse. What Paul is definitely not saying here is that somehow Christ's suffering on the cross was not enough for our salvation, that somehow something more is required on our part. That is the exact opposite message to what he's trying to communicate in this letter. Indeed, in just the previous few verses before our reading today, Paul has stressed that there is enough resources in the cross of Jesus to reconcile the whole world back to God, should people only turn and put their trust in him. So what is Paul saying in verse 24? Well, he's making a point of identification. Being in Christ gives him meaning for his suffering. Let me give you some examples how that works. Paul believes that every time he suffers, he discovers a little bit more of what Jesus was prepared to go through for him on the cross. Therefore, every time Paul suffers, he learns a little bit more of just how deeply Jesus loves him. And for that, Paul rejoices. Paul knows that he follows and represents the crucified Lord. And therefore, he knows that people will want to treat him in the same way. If people are treating Paul like they treated Jesus, he must be getting something right somewhere in his witness. Paul believes that Jesus won the ultimate victory through death. That beyond the great pain of the cross lay glory. And as he is in Christ, the same must be true for his life and for the church as well. The suffering he is experiencing in the present is part of the pathway to God. He should keep going. He now knows he's on the right path. I guess Paul sees suffering a little bit like birth pains. No woman enjoys labour, but she is glad when it finally begins, because she knows that new life lies just on the other side. And that sense of meaning outweighs the oncoming struggle of labour. Paul also believes that because he's in Christ, he is to live for the benefit of Christ. And therefore, if he is in prison, and that's distracting the authorities for a few days from persecuting the local church, he's quite glad about that. Paul's a little bit like a a mother bear who turns her back into the icy wind to protect her vulnerable cubs. That's what he thinks he's doing for the new believers in places like Colossae. I hope we can see if we put all of these things together, even in the toughest experiences of Paul's life, he found meaning. And he found meaning because he believed that Jesus Christ was relevant. To all of them. Paul's identity in Christ gave him purpose to live with every day. Paul's identity in Christ gave meaning to his suffering. So much so, he could even find reason to rejoice in his hardship. So, after meaning, the next thing Paul turns to is hope. It is in Christ that he finds the hope that he needs to get through his difficulties. In the next few verses, the great theme of Paul's teaching is revealed. God loves his people so much, he wants to live within them. And by living within us, God can guarantee that he will bring us to himself. And Paul describes this news as so good. It's like a mystery that's been hidden for the ages, but now has been gloriously unveiled in Jesus. And the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul believes this to be a promise. If you believe in Jesus, he comes to live inside of you by his Holy Spirit. And this promise is not just for Jewish Christians, but for Gentile ones as well. Christ will come and live inside anyone who chooses to identify with him. And that is what I was trying to labour earlier. Christ is within us as individuals. He's within us as a church, God's people together. And to Paul, this presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the guarantee of eternal life. The Spirit is the seed of the new creation within us. The Spirit is the deposit that guarantees full future payment. The Spirit is the seal of true ownership by God. So Paul wants all Christians to say, I have died with Christ, I have risen with Christ I am lived in by Christ therefore nothing can truly harm me nothing can prevent the good things that God has stored up for me we are all in Christ and he is in all of us and the natural consequence for that is that we have hope Hope for every day and every circumstance that we come across. God will be with us in it. And God will see us through it to the other side. So Paul finds meaning in Jesus. He finds ultimate hope in Jesus. And he finishes the passage by talking about strength. In this passage, Paul has been very honest, hasn't he? He's recognised that life is difficult. Suffering comes to believers. It must have been difficult for him to keep travelling around the Mediterranean preaching. It must have been difficult for him as he languished in prison writing this letter. It must have been difficult for the Colossian church as they lay under the attack of persecution. So too it is difficult for us to live a life of faith today. But Paul believes that in this difficulty, Christ identifies with us. He knows our struggles as we go through them and he promises to release the resources that we need. In verse 29, as Paul talks about the struggles of his ministry, he states how he manages to keep going. He says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul believes that Jesus Christ, living in him by the Holy Spirit, releases the strength he needs for each coming day. Remember, this is the Holy Spirit that breathed all the creation into life. This is the Holy Spirit that had the power to raise the dead Jesus back to life. This Holy Spirit is Christ within us, bringing the strength we need to face the ordeals of life. And right down through the ages, Christians have testified that Jesus brought them the boldness to speak or the energy to keep going or the life-giving power in a time of struggle. Truly in our lives today, Jesus will equip us to make sure that we always have enough strength to make us more than equal to the tasks coming our way. And for that reason, we can always trust him. So to conclude, we have reflected that when life is hard, three of the things we really need are meaning, hope, and strength. And we have discovered that all of these are found in Christ. Paul wants us to know that we are in Christ, and he is in us. There is no greater assurance than that. Jesus Christ indwells our lives, and he indwells this church. We are his, and he is ours. There is much to reflect on here, but truly if we hold on to Jesus, we will find all the resources we need for the most turbulent moments in our lives.